Kora from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. You know, we're going to go straight into it. Uh, you know, uh, this sermon series, we've, uh, if you're not familiar with this is a sermon series called Check Yourself. Um, and it's a four-week sermon series. It's uh, this is week two, so if you didn't get to check out week one, the first week, which was last week, jump on our podcast just to catch uh, get yourselves up to date in regards to what our focus is um, on on the series. And the aim of the sermon series is for us to just learn how to welcome a, a life of sacrifice. Who loves to welcome a life of sacrifice? Definitely not. It's not me, but to welcome a life of sacrifice, not only that, but it's a life of sacrifice in the world that we live in today, here, um, in our context, maybe South Auckland, Auckland in general, uh, New Zealand, and the South Pacific. And so, you know, um, it's, it's a life of sacrifice in the world that we live in today that is also just really so self-centered on our own personal lives. Um, as human beings, we can be very selfish you know, and, and have our own agenda and things, even as Christians, let's be honest, you know, we say it's all about Jesus, but, you know, more, more of him and less or less of me, Lord, um, but a lot of times that doesn't really happen, eh, um, even for myself, and the series is based on checking yourself and seeing if your life and my life, our lives are line up to living Christ-like, because you'll either live Christ-like or you won't live Christ-like. And this four-week series is to help check our hearts and, and how to bring our hearts closer to Jesus and also to His truth. Today is part two of this four-week series, and it's subtitled um, Hard Truth. Last week, we looked at uh, self-denial, and once again, jump on the podcast to catch yourself up. And today, we're looking at um, the hard truth. Now, as a follower of Jesus, like I, I've, I have loved everything Jesus has done in my life, even till this day. But if you were like me, I can get offended quite easily uh, when I'm faced with the truth. And it's usually the truth from the Word of God. And anytime I read, you know, the stories of Jesus, I love how most of the time He gives people what they need to hear, right? Not always what they are looking forward to hearing. Now, like I said, I love how Jesus tells it you know, how it is to, to others. But when I'm reading something from His Word and it applies to my life and, you know, my current situations, that's when I find it hard to listen to Him. The hard truth. Man, it offends me. <laughs> it really does. And today's Bible text is, is one of those stories of hearing a hard truth that many of us will find weird, you know, strange, unusual, because Jesus would say, you know, he'd say such a thing that didn't, this particular text that we're going to look at, um, he, he said a, such a thing that didn't make sense to many of the people in his time. And it may not even make sense to you sitting here today. And the text we are reading today is from uh, the book of John, it's chapter 6. Now this chapter has 71 verses, there's 71, 71 verses. So it's a pretty long read, okay? There's a lot happening in this story, so I'm, I'm going to, to give you just a brief background. Um, 
and then focus on a couple of verses around today's sermon on how Jesus shares this hard truth that I want to emphasize on to those around him during that time of his time. But let me start at the beginning of, of this chapter. You know, this was the time on chapter, you know, of John chapter 6. This was the time Jesus had fed, you know, 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch by turning this kid's lunch into, you know, this ongoing buffet until every man, woman, and child was just full and they were satisfied with what they had eaten at that time. He had also, you know, he was sitting them down. He was also speaking to them, you know, preaching a pretty long sermon uh, around this time. And for all those present, you know, after getting their fill and seeing such a, a miracle, no one was going to leave. Everyone wants to know what Jesus was going to offer them next. Instead of going home and probably, you know, skipping work for the next day, you know, they find out Jesus, uh, his next location, and they all go there, right? They all travel there, and it's it said that the crowd of, of 5,000 people who experienced being fed by him, they traveled about 16 kilometers by foot or by boat uh, to where Jesus had gone. Now, 16 kilometers, I think it's like from here to, to Green Lane McDee's, McDonald's. Okay, so can you, anyone walked that distance from, you're probably thinking, yeah, I can do that, whatever. You don't even walk down the road to the shop. So you can imagine 16 kilometers, it's, it's quite a long way, um, you know, to, to follow this amazing man. And so, you know, the crowd, they finally get there, right? They finally turn up at the location there where Jesus is, and they're all surprised. They're actually all surprised that he had seemed to have gotten to the location quite quickly. And they asked in, you know, in John 6, they asked Jesus, Jesus, when did you get here? And what they didn't know was Jesus, uh, he sort of cheated. He sort of cheated by, by getting there quicker than everyone else. Because also in this uh, chapter, chapter 6, this talks about how Jesus walked across the water. And so Jesus took the shortcut um, to get to where he wanted. And so once again, this is another miracle in this chapter, which is a whole other story. Okay? And so the crowd, they've turned up. Jesus obviously gets to the other side of this, of this place. And the crowd turn up again to where Jesus is. Now you need to understand, Jesus knows what, what they are actually after. They want another free meal. They want to see another magic trick. They follow Jesus not because of who he is, but more because of what he could do for them. They were after food to help sustain, you know, this temporary life. That very food they were after was bread. Now, food was of short supply in that history of time. And bread, bread then, back then, that was a staple type of food. Now, if you think of, I don't know, New Zealanders here, some of the staple food is like potatoes, uh, kumara. Um, bread is also a lot for some of us that grew up on bread and tea with no milk and sugar or, you know, the wheat bricks with the butter, you know, and you just bite in it and think, mm, nice bread. <laughs> you know. Sorry, is that my history? Sorry. Sorry, Lord. Am I talking about myself? You know, um, but even, even, you know, with my Asian friends, my staple food is rice. Rice with KFC. That's the staple meal. Um, 
And, you know, the worship team, at times when we have band practice or things at, at home, um, and we decide, let's go get a feed, everyone teases me, eh? Because they think, Ulu, go make the rice, because you're the best at making rice. That's the only thing I can actually make is rice. Um, it's pretty hard how you make it. You know, it's a special sort of skill uh, to make rice. But um, they all know, they all know, and maybe some of you know that, that I always have to have my food with rice. I went to the Philippines here. I'm going off track here. I went to the Philippines, and for the very first time, I walked into KFC. And I looked, and I said, you're joking, right? You sell rice here as part of the meal? Man, that's the best place to go. I love going to the Philippines because of KFC. Now, I heard they don't sell that anymore, right? So, I don't know. I'm not too sure. So, let's, let's pray. Pray for the KFC in the Philippines for that. Uh, you know, food was short supply in that time of history. Bread was a staple. Um, so, it made total sense to follow this Jesus guy around, who people were believing was going to become, actually, the, you know, he was going to become the king of Israel. That's what they thought. And he was looking pretty promising since he, you know, he just finished feeding 5,000 people and their bellies were full the day before. It is at this time, Jesus, he starts using bread as an analogy to explain who he is. And this is the hard truth that I want us to take note of. You know, the crowd, are, they're obviously intrigued that Jesus is about to what Jesus is about to say, because, you know, he's going to share with them how God can provide bread that will give life to the whole world. So think about it. This is an answer to all their problems, right, of the short supply of food. In this case, it was bread, you know, one of their main staple foods. Jesus is about to share with them how they are going to get a, a, a life supply of bread. I mean, and it's not that $1 budget bread we all buy, right? I'm talking about the brands like, I don't know, Mollenberg and Vogel Bread and Tip Top Super Soft. And some of you are thinking, I've never heard of that kind of bread before. <laughs> you know, the bread that cost almost $10 to feed the family, you know, the whole family, and you fight for it because it only takes one, one of those people in your family to finish that whole loaf. Jesus has everyone's hopes on a high because they all have seen what he can do. So they're all there waiting. They're waiting in anticipation for another great miracle to happen that will benefit their lives. And this is what Jesus says. And it's a couple of verses, right? He says this, Then Jesus declared to them at this time, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me, you will never grow hungry. Verse 37, all those that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the, the will of my Father. In verse 40, it says, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, which is me, and believes in him, shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Now, the response, and, and during the rest of the way from here on in, Jesus and the crowd there, they have this huge disconnection between each other. And the crowd, they just want freshly baked, unlimited bread. And Jesus is telling them, 
I've come to offer you eternal life, bread that it's not going to spoil. Yet the crowd, they're saying, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's great, but come on, buddy. You know, the bread yesterday, the bread was, that was pretty tasty. (laughs) How about you just give us some of that bread? Send me a piece of that corn. You know, I I guess like them in, in, in the time of this time, in Jesus' time, they didn't fully understand what Jesus was saying. They couldn't get past the type of bread they wanted and were expecting. They wanted this, you know, they wanted the unlimited supply of fresh bread from Jesus. And so remember at the beginning of today, this morning, I I said today's Bible text is one of those stories about the hard truth. And many of us will find weird and, and it doesn't make sense in their time of history, and it may not even make sense to you sitting here today. And this is the hard truth part I was talking about. You see, by this time, the crowds, they were already confused because as they were turning up to see another magic trick from Jesus and seeing if he would supply them more bread, Jesus was telling them that he is the unlimited bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. But the next part here, he pushes it. He pushes it even more for them. And look what he says at verse 53. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. 54 goes, Whoever eats my flesh has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. 55, for my flesh is real food. 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Talking about himself. Your ancestors ate manna, but they died. But whoever feeds on this bread, which is me, my flesh, will live forever. Wow. So, here we are. This is a crucial moment for everyone that is present. I already explained that the backstory that Jesus had done, he had already finished feeding 5,000 people. The miracle was, was so impressive. The crowd at that point, they knew Jesus should be the next king of Israel because of his mighty act of feeding everyone. And after the big feed, they followed Jesus over to the next town, and they are happy to be there with him. And by the looks of things, there seems like Jesus, you know, from now, that, at that point, he has some pretty loyal followers. But when Jesus claims that he is the bread of life, right, in these verses that I just read, and any of his followers, you know, and any of his followers need to eat his flesh and also drink of his blood, man, when he said that, the crowd actually began to thin out. The more he explained the idea of him being the bread of life and its implications, People started to uh, complain amongst themselves, and and sadly to say, the uh, the crowds began leaving. Verse 6, you know, verse 66 in the same chapter, it says, And after this, many of his disciples left. They no longer wanted to follow Jesus. Notice that there was a hard truth here that not only the crowds of people didn't understand and believe, but also some of the many disciples left as well. 
And they never came back. They never chose to follow what they may have thought was a crazy man. And it was probably the 12 disciples we always hear about in the Bible. They were probably the last of them that stuck around. And they stuck around and they followed Jesus to his death and resurrection. Because first of all, they had nowhere to go. You know, there was nowhere else for them to go. But for them, they saw something more in what Jesus was saying. So they just hung in there and, and they stuck around. Let me just make it very clear for us all, okay? Jesus was not asking his followers to become cannibals. Even though it sounds like it, as we read it at first glance, this is far from what this text is talking about. The whole point of Jesus, you know, talking about eating his flesh was him trying to emphasize, right, how important it is to be a believer in him and follow him. The moment you come to Jesus, right, and you are united in him, you, res uh, you receive life everlasting. And Jesus said it earlier on the, in our story today, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And obviously we understand he pushes it a little bit more, his analogy. Can you think back to the day you first became a follower of the bread of life, Jesus? Some of you here? I remember being a youth leader at my family church that I grew up in. It was an amazing youth. I loved what we were doing there. Um, I loved the people that were part of it. I loved what we did. Um, and I remember there was this one time. I remember taking the group of young youth boys, right, uh, to this men's conference. And, and it was, this was my very first time attending this conference, and it was called uh, Promise Keepers. I think there's, you know, it still goes today. Uh, some of you men have, may have t attended one of those conferences as well. When I very went to my very first one, I think that was a bad mistake, taking the youth with me, being the first time I was going. But I took them, right? And being the youth leader as you are, and these little snotty-nosed kids, you know, they're, man, you know, I was hyping them up. I was going, you know, man, when you get here, God's going to do some crazy stuff in your life. He's going to flip you upside down. All these things in your life and your heart, he's going, you know, you're going to just, it's going to ooze out of, the sins is going to come out of you. You know, and I was really hyping them. You know, God's going to do something amazing. He's going to transform you like you've, you know, never experienced before. And so we get there, and we were sort of sitting halfway. We're on the bottom floor, and we're sort of sitting halfway, close to the front. First speaker gets up, shares his testimony. I get convicted. I come up, give my life, cry like a baby, and that's it. And the whole time before it all started, I'm sitting there and trying to, it's like I'm trying to scare these boys into the, into the kingdom, right? And I go, yeah, man, God's going to do something. And then I'm there, <laughs> sorry, Lord. And the, these boys are going, what the heck is Ulu on? What, what just happened? And, and, you know, all the young men from our youth group I brought all along, they just, like I said, they had no idea what was happening to me. I mean, none of them came to the front. It was just me. I went to the front and I just gave my life, right? And for the first time, 
I understood how Jesus was the bread of life for my life. I was going to promise keepers to take these young ones, right, to get their lives changed. But instead, it was me that needed changing. You see, I didn't understand what Jesus truly meant at that time for my life because I wasn't planning on going to Promise Keeper Conference for the, you know, for really for the right reasons. I was too busy trying to scare these young youth boys into the kingdom of God that I didn't realize how much of a sinner I was. They caught up in all the Christian acts and turning up the church and running the youth. By the way, Pastor Nelly was our youth leader as well in Donald at one stage. Yeah, man, bunch of sinners, man, running the show. But I didn't realize how much of a sinner I was. And I heard the hard truth from the speaker that day. It cut deep in my life of, of, and at that time, I didn't realize it was a life of loneliness. It was a life of, you know, these lustful sins. It was a life of, of anger problems due to my issue of being fatherless. And this hard truth is what made me stay on the course that night and to continue following Jesus, this time the right way. You know, things in my life, they had to change. And at that particular time of my life, I had to stop. I really had to stop being this fake Christian. And I knew what was ahead of me wasn't going to be an easy walk with Jesus, but I was willing to do it because there was no other way that I could do it. And there was a lot of things I needed to come clean with, and I couldn't live the way I was anymore. I was, I was just starting university. You know, I was running my university life at that time. So I was no pastor. I didn't have no title. I wasn't in full-time ministry. I wasn't even part of every nation at that time. God was just doing something in my life at a young age. And at that young age, I had to make a choice on my own. For my flesh, this is Jesus, remember, for my flesh is real food. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And just like the 5,000 people that felt entertained by Jesus, they all wanted bread. But Jesus, Jesus was offering way more than bread and a free meal that, that day. That's what I realized when I went to, you know, my first Promise Keepers conference. By giving his flesh, Jesus was not promoting cannibalism, as I said before. By giving his flesh, Jesus was referring to his upcoming death on the cross. No one took his life from him. Jesus gave it on his own free will. And so, for you and I today, if you are striving or any other, you know, striving for any other thing than Jesus, from personal experience, my friend, it's going to let you down. If you've gotten whatever it was that you may have pursued for in life, it's not going to deliver what you may have expected 
by promising you a better life. Now, don't get me wrong, goals and achievements are, are highly important to me. They are. And I expect for all of you sitting here as well. Yet, once I've achieved some of my personal goals and, and some of my wants, right, they have never quite lived up to the hype I hoped and expected it to be. And so what about you? So, so what do we do? The thing is, we strive for more things after we've achieved a certain thing. We keep striving and striving. And sometimes we use Christianity as an excuse to strive. That we say, God, yes, I'm, a, I'm achieve, I'm achieving, and I'm achieve, you know, I'm just going to push it because of the Lord. Man, sometimes some of you just need to learn how to rest. I've said this before, I've never been so busy in my entire life in this season. There's some days that, you know, I'll be up all night, the night before church, prepping my word. Probably most, most weekends, to be honest. Not sleeping, coming straight here to preach. And hopefully I don't look tired when I'm up on stage and when I'm preaching. But I've learned how amongst all that, and then people may say, man, Ulu, you're so busy. I'm not trying to make anybody feel stink or make anybody feel sorry for me. Even though my weekend may be busy and my days may be busy of meeting people, it can get draining. And some of you may know this. You drain yourself when you're having to meet people and push the Christianity and strive to make disciples and strive to convert people into Jesus, to come and scare them into the kingdom, whatever you do. And we strive and we push and we push, yet we don't know how to rest. And so when we forget how to rest, that's when we begin to stumble. Some of you may know, I, I actually graduate uh, next month of, of uh, you know, in overseas. And that's what's made my life busy sleep, don't get much sleep, you know, and, and prepping and everything else, doing assignments, reading a million books that I probably will never do again. <laughs> Remember, I read comics. But the thing is, I've learned how to find rest in it all. You know, and that was a hard truth that I needed to learn how Jesus was showing me. And I'm not talking about just the actions. I'm talking about the things that you worry about. The stress that just overcomes you. you got to understand, some of that stuff, you really think about it. The things you may worry about, money, you don't have it. So why worry about it? Deal with what you have right now. Work with what you have and be faithful in that. Don't worry about the $5,000 that you owe on something. Wait for it. Be patient. Let God move in your life. Let God build this faith in you. But you can only find that kind of God factor is when you rest. Now that's another probably sermon on how do you rest. But the starting point is you know, try and get some time in God's Word. 
Sometimes our rest might be, oh, jump on whatever, social media, jump on this, watch a movie. That's great. But please, get into your word. You're going into a whole new season. I'm I'm not against, you know, I'm a a Netflix guy. (laughs) But I've got to find rest in God. Why am I saying all this? You know, Jesus was trying to show those who were following him to, to think past their physical needs, their wants, their desires, and, and focus on what was eternally important. I believe he's trying to do the same for some of us here today. He's trying to, to get us to rearrange our lives. It's not going to be easy, okay? Uh, I guarantee that. I, I think many of you already know that as well. It may be painful. But for some of you, that that thing you are holding on to so dear and close to you, that good thing, but even a good thing can become a harmful thing when you're not resting in God. And some of you aren't, maybe, maybe some of you aren't following Jesus the way you should be. Well, you know, and you have to make a decision. Jesus, myself, and many others here in church we will never force you to follow him. But you have to make a decision. And so are you satisfied with Christ alone? You know, do you feed on his, remember, do you feed on his death for you as your only hope of eternal life? Do you feed on him daily in his word as nourishment for your soul, even though it is hard to read his word at times? When you're on a low, you don't want to read his word. But are you willing to? Do you enjoy all that he is for you, both now and for eternity? And I hope so. But if not, let me give you a simple answer. You know, bread, whatever it is, change your diet. You know, change the diet and begin eating on the bread of life, which is Jesus. So I hope you're encouraged. And I want to pray. Can I just pray for some of you this morning? Um, I just really feel God really, really wants to minister.